The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. The other women were with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. A blessed Easter to one and all. What a glorious morning this is in which we gather to celebrate our Savior crucified and risen. Alleluia. I'm really glad that your memory serves you well in that practice, like with our children of proclaiming the Easter joy of Jesus' resurrection. Because it's been a few years since we've been able to be in person to worship and to join in this refrain together. We worship throughout the pandemic just in a different way. So let's do it again to make up for the last few years. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. But it's so interesting that the memory of certain characters in our gospel resurrection text this morning their memory leaves something to be desired. This is quite a surprise to us as readers that these close followers of Jesus can come to his tomb and be surprised or perplexed why it is empty. Because we know the end of the story, but the characters obviously did not. In fact, Luke's version of the resurrection doesn't even include an appearance from Jesus like all the others do. It sort of leaves us feeling with a feeling within us like a good novel or television series might with a dramatic cliffhanger wanting you to hear and to know more. Ultimately, it leaves us wanting and needing more. We will return as the disciples did to find what we always need more of in Jesus. After all, we pilgrim on this journey through Lent, through Holy Week, and to Easter once a year for good reason. Because it is important for us to remember, and certainly more than once a year, 
the implication of our Savior's death on a cross and his resurrection for us all. And in that more than once a year fashion, we do celebrate the resurrection, at least we are called to, though not how many might expect. At funerals, those that we have known and lost and loved in this life. After all, the true name of the service that, for funerals that we are to call them is a celebration of the resurrection for this person, that person. This is because as resurrected people, we celebrate someone's life even as we mourn their death with the hope that is left for us in the resurrection that is yet to come. This is the same hope that we ourselves that we have for ourselves and for the rest of the world. And Peter, in our reading from Acts, is a bold proclaimer of this good news. In the presence of a religious outsider, that is Cornelius, but one who has shown faith in God, Peter shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. Most of all, Peter declared God as impartial, even if Peter was not. Peter had his own prejudices about Cornelius and people like him, people in his household, but God does not. God wants to roll, the, roll away the stones of all our tombs. You see, tombs were a place for memories in the ancient time of Jesus, and they still are for us today. Many of us have the custom of visiting the gravesides of loved ones past on a regular basis. We do so because it is a natural part of our grief journey, a way in which we recall memories from the time that we had with those that we've lost. This serves to boldly live out the common saying, gone but not forgotten. We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus every year for the same reason. Even though we know he is gone, for now, he is not forgotten. Yet somehow, no one in this story of Jesus' resurrection can recall what memories they had about Jesus foretelling his death. Fortunately, the women who visited the tomb with spices had some angelic figures to remind them. And even though they aren't quite perplexed and amazed, even though they are quite perplexed and amazed, more terrified, by the way, these women become the first true witnesses and proclaimers of the resurrection miracle. Not that it needed men to validate their belief, their experience, and their witness, but this is the product of a very patriarchal society. An empty tomb has made a new memory for those women and for us today, the same way that this empty cross does as well. Even though Jesus is not present in this account of the resurrection, the women have seemingly remembered first and then comprehend enough of what is happening to return to the other disciples to tell everyone that they can that what Jesus has said has come true. And this is an important part of the resurrection story we often overlook. In almost all of the other accounts, we read them as though it is a narrative that is complete, but ultimately, 
As with the experience of those women at the empty tomb, we are invited into the ongoing narrative about this resurrection story. Like the women, we have been invited to continue to tell this story. But this can be difficult to do when we feel dazed and confused as the women likely felt when they went to the tomb. From grief, from sheer fatigue, from walking alongside their master as he went to the cross. Through puffy eyes from constant crying, we are called to see what miracles God has worked through the resurrection of Jesus. Through death comes life. It's really as simple as that, dear friends. But in the realities of this temporal world, life coming after death is not that simple. When you set about proving something that everything in the world exists contrary to, you may be left feeling dazed and confused about where to go from there. I'm sure this is how the women must have felt even before they arrived at the tomb. They were certain that this was their Messiah, the saving one. But he had died. And now they had to go with their spices to perform the ritualistic burial rites for their culture, for their customs, for the lifeless body that lay in the tomb. But the body was no longer there, confusing them all the more. And instead, there were two young men in dazzling white clothes, not criticizing them for their confusion or grief, but inviting them into remembrance of what Jesus had already told them. And more than that, these men invite the women into a vital role in this resurrection story, telling it to others. Through Jesus' death came his resurrection. Through Jesus' death comes our death, And through Jesus' resurrection comes ours as well. So what does this mean in this Holy Week for you this year? Now put yourselves in the shoes of people from Ukraine. Maybe the first thing to well in your stomach is the heart-wrenching images of families on the run from their homes and cities bombed and burning up in their wake. It certainly is a tragedy, the carnage that has been done to the people of Ukraine. But what a testament to faith in the resurrection that these people have remained and reminded us about, even in the midst of war. In truth, the fact that this war broke out at the start of Lent and consumed all of our emotional and physical bandwidth is something very important for us. Rather than try to turn away from the suffering going on just next door to us, the suffering, the real suffering happening in our midst, we are instead called to step further into our role of sharing the resurrection story. The ashes and entire communities in Ukraine, both buildings and bodies, are not the end of the story of Ukraine or its people or God's story. Even if the war is lost for them, whatever that might mean, the resilience of these people thus far has proven that we are a people as children of God who rise from the ashes. Their very hope in the midst of death and despair 
is a bold sharing of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because he has arisen, we also, when we become ash, will rise again. Dazed and confused like the women at the empty tomb, along with the support of Christian sisters and brothers, we are called to rise from the ashes of our grief and to tell the good news of Jesus. The same is true for those whose churches have burned in the country just to our east from acts of violence and hate. Today, we celebrate with them who don't have a building to gather in that Christ is risen. And so will we. Today, we celebrate the resurrection for those who have been innocently murdered in the war in Ukraine. Today, we pray for all in the world, no matter what tragedy may befall them, that they find hope in the resurrection. Christ is the light that dispels all darkness from our lives, any darkness that could keep us hidden from God. Alleluia for this light. Alleluia that Christ is risen. Alleluia that because he is risen, so will we. Amen. Thanks be to God.